Welcome, finally, to Radio Trivia Podcast Edition, episode 52. And uh, it's been a while. we got a, a, basically a new season. Uh, you probably noticed a, a new intro from uh, Jason Ricci. Did I pronounce that correctly, Johnny? Yeah. All right, Jason Ricci. And uh, he's got an album that came out, I don't know, maybe two months ago now. Um, yeah, something like and, that. And uh, it's called uh, Done With The Devil. And uh, it's awesome, awesome. I think it's some of his best work. Um, so check it out. Um, it's on iTunes and hopefully your stores locally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't mention him nearly enough. He's He's been the, the guy that's made the theme music for this podcast since the beginning. So uh, shout out to him. And and um, yeah. So uh, new season. I'm I'm back from Japan. I'm back in America. Uh, Welcome, Thank you. Uh, if you were listening to RFN, um, I was on that recently for the E3 specials. And by the way, it's uh, it's nice to hear your voice over the internet once again. It got kind of weird seeing you in person. <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding. But it's just you know the internet has got created such a weird relationship here. I mean, I I would listen to Johnny and and James on the podcast in my car driving to the hotel, and I would talk <laughs> to them in person. Then we would record a podcast together. Then you yeah. go home, and I listen to another podcast of theirs, and then I'm talking to Johnny uh, over Skype, and he's back in Colorado, and all over the span of maybe four days. Yeah, so that stuff happens. Like e- E3 does weird things to like you know your perception of internet people and stuff like that. I mean, I met. Um, well, let me back up. You know, we I, we did we had the Miyamoto roundtable thing at E3, right. and they had a QA session. I got to answer. I got to ask a question, which I usually get to do because I'm very aggressive at raising my hand. You know, I'm still a college student, so I'm I'm a professional at raising my hand in a in a group of people. And anyway, um, asked this question about We Speak and New Super Mario Brothers Wii and online. And, uh, you know, Miyamoto gives this bullshit answer about how there's not enough processing power because they're really pushing the Wii with their DS graphics for that game. And um, anyway, um, you know, I didn't get the sense that there was a whole lot of reaction to the crowd or whatever, but I guess people were listening. I just, um, I'm now catching up on a lot of the podcasts that I didn't get to listen to last week because I was actually at E3 where they were being recorded. You, know, I was just too, you know, right. I was making my own podcast, but I didn't have time to listen to all the ones that I usually listen to every week. So now I'm catching up and, you know, I'm listening to like Giant Bomb, the Bombcast, um, which is like Jeff Gersman, Brad Shoemaker, Vinny Caravella, sure. and, um, and uh, Ryan, um, I mean, Ryan Davis. Um, so anyway, they did like five or six shows last week, even more than we did. And, wow. um, and I was listening to one, uh, the one that they recorded at the end of the first day where they talk about the Nintendo press conference and then the Miyamoto roundtable. And Jeff Gersman, who's like one of my, you know, gaming writer idols, you know, I've been reading his stuff for years and years and years. Um, he actually mentioned the question that I asked, you know, and, uh, kind of riffed on, the fact that, you know, Nintendo's not supporting We Speak with any of their games this year, which is fucking ridiculous. And um, anyway, the funny thing was, like, the day after that roundtable and the day after that episode of the Bombcast was recorded, I actually ran into Jeff at, I don't even remember where, but I introduced myself to him. It was the first time I ever met him. I told him I was a fan of his show and yada, yada, yada. 
So it turns out he had actually, t in in a weird circuitous circuitous way, sort of <laughs> referred to me the night before we actually <laughs> met, and I didn't even know it when I introduced so him. Weird. Wow. <laughs> so weird. It's a shame if you had known, if you had known, you could have said I was the guy that asked that question. Exactly. Exactly. I you know I might I might try to get in touch with him after the fact now. But anyway, I was just listening to that show today. It was a head trip because I realized you put the chronology together. And <laughs> anyway, it's, it's just it's just weird. It's yeah. just weird. The internet, when the internet and and the real world kind of intersect with so many people, mm -hmm. it, it's just a unique situation. It really is. And the the first time we uh, for, may, actually probably the first couple times we recorded RFN um, at E3, James was like visibly creeped out a little bit by the experience of doing it in person. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, we should probably get on with this podcast, <laughs> yeah. uh, Radio Trivia <laughs> Podcast Edition, uh, in which we play music and you figure out what the game is. So Yay. let's get started. Yay! Now there was a, a particular instrument in that music that reminded me very strongly of a game that I know this is not. So right now I'm 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 confused <laughs> right now. You, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think I know the instrument you're talking about. I don't know what okay. game you're talking about. Okay, I'll explain later. All right then.
All right, then. Hmm. That maybe helps you a little bit. Well, actually, just copy and paste my comment after the last song. Okay. So, um, here's a helpful hint for those mm-hmm. who haven't figured it out yet. Which character serves as the mini-boss for each world? Johnny, what game is this? I'm pretty sure it's New Super Mario Brothers for DS. <laughs> yes, for DS. Okay. I was I was surprised I didn't um, use this already. So I was looking at the list of, of games. And I'm like, well, gee, now's a good time to use this game because because yeah. of E3 and everything. So I, I threw it on there. And um, well, I I didn't play the most memorable song, um, which apparently is also going to be in in the Wii game. <laughs> um, well, I mean, yeah, the game I mean, the game has good music, no doubt. Um, the instrumentation is very similar to Super Mario 64, which is what I was absolutely. getting at with my comment. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's a there's one particular instrument. I don't even know what you would call it. I don't even know if it's, if it's based on a real instrument. But in that first song, it sounds exactly like the uh, Dry Dry Desert. Um, it's like a variant of a sitar or something. I don't, I don't know what you would call yeah, it. Yeah, it's a, it's funny sounding. But anyway, um, that exact same instrument is in the desert world of Super Mario 64, and that's just immediately what I thought of. And at that point, I was pretty sure this was a Mario game. And, pretty easy process of elimination after that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, um, I mean, New Super Mario Brothers was intentionally built to have these callbacks to earlier games, right. and that's built into the music, too. I mean, the second song I played is kind of like a variant on the Super Mario Brothers 3 Fortress music, really. Or maybe I'm getting that wrong. I think that's what it was. But um, there's just all these callbacks and the instrumentation and, and some of the themes. And uh, I'm sure you're going to see a lot more of that in the uh, new Super Mario Brothers Wii. Um, they're clearly going for crazier versions of, of what you saw in the DS. So, yeah, and, and if we're, if we're going to talk about the game for a second, um, the DS game, I would sure. say it probably had too many callbacks to the other games and not enough yeah. original content. Um, I agree. But I, actually, so far, it looks like the Wii, uh, the Wii sequel, New Super Mario Bros. Wii, um, is kind of doing a better job of that, even just from the demo that we saw at E3. 
mean, yeah, it's true. There, there was you some agree? interesting. Sure, there's some interesting stuff where one character is controlling like a vehicle, or or a light or something like that, and it has Yoshi. And there's some, and definitely the multiplayer aspects of it provide a fresh feel to the game. If not always Mario feel. Sometimes you know, when when you're struggling with four other people, it doesn't quite feel like a Mario game because you don't have the same sense of freedom and and kind of ability to do whatever you want. But it's still it's still fun. From, and yeah, and from, you can you can play. certainly play that game by yourself. Um, Absolutely. But I think the I think the multiplayer stuff, although obviously it, it's going to take a lot of skill to actually progress through the game in multiplayer. Um, but um, I think uh, it, it's a pretty it's a pretty radical uh, direction to go if you don't if you uh, can excuse my lingo there. Um, I mean, my, one of my favorite things about the DS game was the two player. Um, wireless mode, which I probably played with you, didn't I? Yeah, at one I, I point? played it a couple of times. I think it's really fun, like surprisingly fun, and unfortunately there just aren't a lot of levels, so you end up kind of just repeating it after a while, and it, it gets old after maybe an hour or two, but right. um, I, I think that mode is like really kind of um, underappreciated, and so expanding that kind of gameplay out and, and the two-player mode in new super mario brothers ds actually feels a lot like the four-player mode in the new wii game i mean you can tell that they kind of templated the, the new game um uh, the new new game <laughs> oh god <laughs> on, on a lot of the you know the, the the way the characters interact in the ds game uh, you're jumping on each other's heads, and uh, you know you can kind of slam each other up against the walls, and sure. sort of push people down into the pits, and make them hit the enemies, and things like that. So it feels very, very similar, and, and that's cool with me because I really like the multiplayer in the DS game, even though it was very limited. And I think it's smart to put this on the Wii versus the DS because you're yeah. far more likely to be able to do a multiplayer experience on the Wii than on DS when you have four DS systems, four copies of the game. So right. So I mean, unless you made it on online and then it would be quite convenient to to set all this up and that should be an option well we already talked about that before it will not be this game and johnny did not know that i was using this game by the way he only knows of one game this which i chose uh, this episode which he chose so um but yeah i mean i I still love new super mario brothers it isn't my favorite mario game but uh it's certainly fun i'm I'm glad to see the wii Mm -hmm. sequel coming i would say uh, it's one of perhaps my least favorite other than like lost levels but i still think it's very very good you know right i mean it, i'm not i sort of would never say it's bad uh exactly. i i got every single coin in the game that was actually the when i had the most fun with it was when i was going for those coins uh, like the big coins well um, that's the way it is with a lot of mario games like yoshi's island now the big draw is you know finding all the little secrets you know yeah and, and to some extent the coins in these games are a bit like the stars and 64 or whatever where right. it's like it's the excuse for exploring it's the excuse for finding little right. nooks and crannies but, and but they're cool but they're co- they're totally like a bonus feature and i think if you don't go after the coins you might very well think the game is very boring and, and slight because right. it kind of is if you don't get the coins like like the level design only makes sense and and only impresses when you're going after these optional little doodads because if you just play straight through and try to get to the end the game's kind of a joke, you know. Sure. Yeah, more so than in some other Mario games, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, uh, let's move on to the next game. All right. Oh, we didn't answer the, the question, did I we? I was about um, to say, um, 
was the question? A bad habit of doing that. The question, the question is, uh, which character serves as a mini boss for each world? Ah, uh, um, yes. Uh, at very appropriate, is, considering uh, what we've recently learned about the Wii game. Yeah, it's Bowser exactly. Jr. Uh, yeah. Bowser Jr. is the mini boss, and in the Wii game, uh, they are instead. I don't know if these are mini bosses or boss bosses, but they're going with the Koopa Kids. Finally, bringing them back. Right, um, and and granted, there isn't that much of a variety between the Koopa Kids and the other Mario games they appeared in, which is, I guess, Mario Brothers Three and Mario World. But mm-hmm. there is more variety than there was with Bowser Jr. Yeah, and also be. I ju- I just think they have a little more personality than Bowser Jr. Yeah, he's like ultra generic, but um, yeah. So you know that was a nice little surprise. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So here, okay. Now let's go on to the next game. <laughs> Did you pick out that song just for me? I like it too. It's very Stevie Wonder, you know? I'm sorry, the correct answer is yes, absolutely. (laughs) Just for you, Johnny.
Okay, w- was it just Skype, or did the tempo pretty much double at some point in that song? I think you're into double time, sure, probably. Okay, alright. Just sounded pretty weird. <laughs> Maybe Skype uh, muddled things some, I don't know. Hmm. Um, alright, so, here's your question. Which location can you visit to refuel your vehicle? Oh. glad that you uh, chose this game. I am too. Yeah. Yeah, I really like this. It's uh, Pilot Wing 64, right? It is Pilot Wing 64. Yeah, very, very wonderful music and uh, really a great game. I mean, I think it's been forgotten a bit over the years. Um, and uh, unfortunately, Nintendo has not really done anything to 
keep this series alive. Uh, we thought they might at E3 this year, and well, other well, than there's a little bit of stuff in Wii Sports Resort, but definitely not a full game. I mean, the more I think about Wii Sports Resort and uh, even Wii Fit Plus, I like see bits and pieces of Pilot Wings kind of sprinkled in there. Mm-hmm. Um, like um, I wrote a couple of notes here, like. Um, well, the chicken suit thing. Well, the chicken suit feels plus. a lot like the jumble hopper, in a weird way. Like they, they don't feel the same, but like the kind of humor and style of movement that's just sort of absurd. Like the jumble hopper in, in Pilot Wing 64, you're basically on these really springy shoes where you mm-hmm. jump from jump from place to place. And the chicken suit, you're in this chicken suit flying from place to place, and and it kind of has a similar feel. Um, there's also kind of Miyamoto was focused on this whole Wahoo Island stuff in, in his Woo, own table. Woohoo. It's Woohoo. Oh, is it Woohoo? Woohoo, yeah. sorry. Woohoo Island. And, um, it's a know, good name. Pilot Wing 64's <laughs> uh, first level is like a holiday island or something, whatever it's called. But it's like a resort. It seems like they could somehow combine the two or have some sort of synergy if they did a Pilot Wings game, like using this island amongst others. Um, and finally, of course, the most obvious one is the skydiving section uh, of right. Wii Sports Resort, which definitely harkens back to Pilot Wing 64. Um, and it wasn't the biggest part of Pilot Wing 64 by any means, but it was a fun little distraction, just like in, in uh, Wii Sports Resort. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I, I I don't. I have my feeling that they're, they're just not going to do it. They're not going to make a new Pilot Wing 64 because. It's sort of going to be redundant with these other games they're making. Um, maybe that's not fair to the Pilot Wings franchise because there's a lot there. But um, I don't know. I just don't. I don't see it happening. Um, it's. I don't know. It, it, it does seem like uh, the kind of thing that could very easily go into their blue ocean type thing. But then at the same time, I mean, you know, they. It just seems like at this point, Nintendo is sort of scavenging little ideas from their old kind of forgotten series like Wave Race and Pilot Wings and things like that to put into their more compilation style games like Wii Sport and Wii right. Fit. So, oh, well, well, well where can you refuel, Johnny? Besides landing on targets <laughs> or whatever, where can you where refuel? Where can you refuel? <sighs> Gas station. Exactly. In uh, the... <laughs> Total guess. No, I don't in remember. the... Uh, the little states, or whatever the name of the the area is, they have like model version of, of the United States. Somewhere in like the Midwest, there's this gas station, and if you if you land and you fly through, like go under the gas roof, whatever you want to call the overhang. I think if I'm remembering correctly. If you, anyway, if you go somewhere in the gas station, you fly through it either on your your jetpack or it's easier in the gyrocopter. You will refuel, and I think you can only do it once. But um, and there's like sort of like an Easter egg thing. I mean, it, it is, and there is like a little hint allusion to it somewhere in the game. There's some sort of hint that says, "Oh, if only there's like a gas station or something like that." <laughs> nice. So, um, it is findable without like a fact. They have a hint, but it's just a little Easter egg, and it lets you explore more of of the little United States because it is a big area. So it's it's kind of a, a way to explore more of it. <laughs> so. I don't know, that's a cool little thing. There are a lot of cool little things in Pilot Wing 64, just a lot of nice little touches. Yeah. Um, it's it's one worth dusting off. It is not on Virtual Console yet, is it? No. No, it really should it, be. It really should be. There's no reason, especially if they're not going to make a new one. Um, there really is no reason. But, um, I, oh well. Absolutely. 
Well, Cy, anyway, uh, this was selected by uh, Stephen Reich. I have a lot of uh, requests, so I'm, I'm trying to kill two birds with one stone by selecting some awesome games that have been requested. Um, <laughs> well, thank you, Stephen. That was uh, very pleasant to listen to. Very okay. good. Indubitably. We've had some really good music on this show. You say that as though that isn't always the case. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes you play shit like Drill Dozer and... (laughs) 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 Makes me want to stick a screwdriver in my ear.
And that song was so awesome that it gave away the game to me. Excellent, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's excellent. All right. Here's here's your awkwardly phrased question. <laughs> <clears throat> here we go. Which related multi-platform game features a mode with very similar gameplay rules to those in this release? <laughs> it's funny. I was actually... Uh just talking about this game with one of its creators a few days ago.
Yes, good shit. Well, um, I actually forgot to choose games before starting this recording. Uh, sorry, I forgot to choose the songs before starting oh, you, this recording. You, you so, could do no wrong with this game. All I know. of the songs are awesome. <laughs> yeah, this is the new Tetris for N64. It for is. N64, that music. Yes. I mean, I think they yes. just probably did some kind of, you know, MP3 style technology. Um, there's no way that stuff is being made. Well, I mean, the N64 didn't really have a sound chip, so I guess you could kind of do whatever you wanted, right? Well, yeah, if they're like dedicating 70% of like the horsepower to... I'm sure they were. I mean, it's yeah, freaking Tetris. Tetris. I mean... <laughs> so, yeah. Actually, it could have been generated on the fly. I mean, they, they I should have asked fly. about that yeah, last week. but. Well, uh, I, I did uh, choose this request from uh, someone by the name of Ed... Uh, because you had just met with um, uh, two of the two of the creators or one of the creators. Well, I, I um, Neil Ronahan and I had a uh, a brief interview with um, Alexei Pajitnov and Hank Rogers, who are sort of the two godfathers of Tetris. I mean, Alexei, of course, designed the original game in Moscow, um, and Hank Rogers is the businessman who brought Tetris to the rest of the world. He sort of discovered it. Um, through uh, an interesting little story, it's actually that that story is captured very well in um, in the book Game Over. Um, oh, right. Although, well, the version I read is Game Over: Press Start to Continue, which is the like the second edition with some expanded chapters. So, mm-hmm. I can't guarantee that particular tale is in the original edition, but you probably wouldn't find the original anyway yeah. these days. Definitely, a highly recommended reading. Uh, Game Over is great. Um, and uh, that's one of the, the most memorable parts of that book, actually, is hearing about, is reading, I should say, about how Tetris um, was brought to the world and about Hank Rogers um, being a very shrewd businessman, um, basically licensed it out separately to all these different companies to make all these different versions for all these different platforms, and in doing so, made himself a sickening amount of money and also basically made Tetris you know, the most ubiquitous game of all time. Yeah, it's, it's a household so, name. I mean. Absolutely. Yeah, Alexei actually told us that um, in Russia, now I never heard this when I was in Russia, but he said that uh, in Russia, the word Tetris is now usually spelled with, with lowercase letters and kind of means, in general terms, any casual uh, small game, you know. Mm-hmm. So basically, like flat, you know, what we would consider maybe flash games or you know casual pop cap style um, games on the internet. Sure. They they say Tetris to mean that, which is crazy. I mean, it's like uh, Band Aid or you know, it's like a brand right. name that has become. Uh, there's a there's a funny word for that um, phenomenon when a brand name becomes uh, sort of a general generic name for something, but. Anyway, what, anyway. what about the new Tetris? Um, <laughs> the new Tetris is, in my opinion, the best version of Tetris of all time. Um, it is a, uh, a really brilliant uh, presentation of Tetris. Um, it had kind of an, a very early version of sort of achievements, uh, like Xbox-style achievements, that really encourage you to keep playing because basically you unlock things by... Um, building these monuments out of Tetris blocks and the way that you built the monuments is you had to rack up a certain number of lines cleared off of the puzzle and um, 
the reason that that worked and motivating you to want to keep playing more and more and more is that the game had uh, built into it certain um, features that were novel at the time that allowed you to get bonus lines. So like you could do a Tetris, but if you did a Tetris, you know, a Tetris is when you clear four lines at the same time. Normally that's a, the best you could ever do. Um, but by doing certain things, by setting it up a certain way ahead of time, in the new Tetris you can complete a Tetris and actually get credit for like maybe 10 lines at once. And so because they kind of gave you these goals to work towards, it made you want to play Tetris in a certain way, a certain more challenging and more interesting way um, because there was this perceived reward for doing so. Um, and if, obviously the music is absolutely spectacular. Um, all composed by this one guy. He also did the music for Tetrisphere, um, which, although it it's not nearly as good a game and it doesn't really have anything to do with Tetris, Tetrisphere is kind of worth playing just for the music alone. Um, oh, the and composer, then, is that Neil D. Voss? Is that, is that uh, Yes, yes, yeah, Neil okay. Voss. Correct. And, uh, you know, I don't know of any other games that he composed music for, unfortunately, so I don't, I don't know... know uh, I'd have to look up. I'd have to look that up. I would honestly be interested in playing any game that he wrote the music for, because it's just that good. So, so yeah. um, this mode. One of the special things about New Tetris is that you can build these kind of bigger cubes out of smaller Tetris right. blocks and that are worth more points, right? Right, and that's one of the features that I that I was referring to. Yeah. Right. So it's really this cool. sort of like... this sort of comes back, and I guess one of the less well received versions of Tetris. Uh, Tetris Worlds. Right, um, which was the, uh, it was for GameCube, PS2, Xbox, and probably PC, and, and THQ and put that out. And, uh, oh, GBA, yeah. yeah. And actually, it was, um, I'm, I want to say that Tetris Worlds was developed by pretty much the same people um, as those who did the new Tetris. The difference being that um, Nintendo published the new Tetris, I'm pretty sure. So, they probably had some influence over, you know, some of the decisions, the design decisions, etc. Um, and THQ published Tetris Worlds, and they were probably a little more loose with it. And uh, the result was less than savory. But, but uh, uh, Tetris Worlds also was, I believe, the debut of the so-called super rotation, as Hank Rogers calls it, which is basically that you can spin a block forever um, and it, it will never settle down at the bottom of the of the pit until you stop spinning it. Right. And, and basically as you spin it you can still keep on moving it left and right. And a lot of players feel that this pretty much breaks the game. Um, and I, you know, I kind of agree. So um, in some versions of, of Tetris since then you can turn that off. Um, it, it depends on whether it's competitive or online rankings, etc. But in Tetris Worlds, I think it was mandatory, and uh, a lot of the reviewers really slammed it, slammed the game because of that. Yeah, and I think some versions of that game also ran really poorly. <laughs> For whatever reason, that's frame rate problems in Tetris, if you can imagine that. What? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think there, I think some of the, some versions of the game, I don't know which ones, I don't recall, but some versions of Tetris Worlds, uh, like, really had performance issues. That's pathetic. Which is kind of crazy, yeah. That's pathetic. Yeah. 
Also, I, I guess another weird little footnote to that is that at one time, Tetris Worlds was being packed in with uh, Xbox. That was like one of the free games that you got when you bought the system. Which is, makes sense, you know, adding, I mean, obviously, including Tetris with a system worked out really well for Game Boy, not so much for Xbox, because it was kind of a crappy version. <laughs> well, and Tetris wasn't brand freaking new then. Right, right. But uh, the new Tetris is really, you know, the N64 one is really awesome, and uh, yet another game I would totally buy off Virtual Console. I mean, it, you know, it's better, and it would be a little cheaper than Tetris Party for WiiWare. So, there you go. All right. So with that, let's move on to the next game. Jazzy jazz. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't have anything else to say about that, so mm, I'll play the next definitely song. It's the, definitely the oldest music that we've heard tonight. position um and i think i've played this game i just don't know what it is yet well maybe this uh question will help you oh i hope so what special effect does this game share with another game on the same platform from the same publisher
So, have you figured out the game? No, but I do like the music a lot. I do too. I, I'm kind of surprised. I didn't remember the game having such good music. This game is Rad Racer for the NES. Wow. Requested requested by a mysterious listener who yeah. didn't give me the name that they wanted me to read. So, Well, I've definitely um, uh, played Rad Racer a long time ago, and yeah, I, I'm with you. I didn't remember it having such good music. But hey, I mean, it was a square in it. It was a square game, not square Enix. Yeah. But I mean, it makes yeah. sense that uh, that it would have had good music and that it would sound very vaguely like Final Fantasy. <laughs> and, and that it would actually be bad since it's not a RPG game. Um, at least oh, no, no, no. no. It, it, ra- it's not game. Rad Racer that's bad. It's the Power Glove. It's so bad. <laughs> I didn't play it with the Power Glove. <laughs> I still thought it was bad. <laughs> this is just one of those. This is one of those racing games. Where you're just going side to side, avoiding cars as you pass them, moving forward, right? I mean, there were tons of these in the arcades. Yeah, it's super simple, but really, really simple and punishingly difficult, as I recall. Yeah, I, I yeah. have no desire to ever play it again. But it. Well, uh, it had this special, special mode where I think if you push select. Uh, and you were wearing the, the glasses that came with it. It had a special 3D effect. That's right. And, um, it was like a red-blue kind of 3D. Right, and I didn't play the Rad Racer very much, but I owned 3D World Runner, which was also from Squaresoft, and uh, had a very similar effect. It was kind of a similar... I guess it wasn't a similar game. It was similar in the sense that you're running forward, but it was more like a... Well, I don't know if I'd call it a platformer. I guess it kind of was. Well, World Runner is... Um... There's some platforming, a lot of sort of shooting. It's definitely, yeah. uh, it's kind of a like a early weird attempt at sort of 3D platforming. But you're, I mean, you're just always running into the screen. But I, I yeah, think, I mean, World Runner is buggy and, and bizarre, but I do think it's a better game than Rad Racer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so they both have these th- this 3D effect, which I don't remember using very often because it was kind of painful to look at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not not surprising, but uh, is that uh, that Toy Story Mania game is uh, I believe well, we talked about this. I can't remember if we Toy Story Mania and uh, Avatar both doing this 3D effect. We okay. don't really okay. know if it's it's this red blue separation thing or it has to it's... be. I mean, there's no. Well, way. there there are some if you if they're making it specifically for a certain like type of TV that that has a special mode. And have some sort of they got like crazy money for this exclusivity deal they might have <laughs> um, it's not beyond the realm of possibilities um, it'd be pretty pathetic but it's possible mm-hmm. uh, anyway I don't have too much to say about Rad Racer um, yeah, there's there's not that much to be <laughs> said about it honestly I mean it's it's shining moment in the sun was the wizard and the power glove and Lucas and you know Boo. him saying that the power glove is so bad. I love the power glove. It's so bad. <laughs> he he's right. He didn't mean it, but he's yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Rad Racer. It, the, I I think the most interesting thing about Rad Racer is that it was made by Square, which is just <laughs> kind of bizarre. I don't think they made another driving game until uh, Driving Emotion Type S for. PlayStation 2, which is a pile of turds. Well, but, you'll be uh, happy to know that there's a driving section in the new Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles for Wii. At least it's driving a boat. Thank uh, God. But 
No, I mean, they've done, you know, they did the snowboarding in seven. They do these weird little things, and that's fine. But um, Square has never really been capable of making, like, a full driving game that is good. So, anyway. (laughs) Good music, though. Good music. Stick to the music, music. Square. Avoid the driving games, please. (laughs) Well, here we are, final game. This one was selected by... The Mets. Me. game has really beautiful music yeah it does it's i mean in style you could definitely compare it to the stuff from the new tetris but it's much less you know dancey right definitely some of the same regional influences but uh i think a, a different style when you get down to the structure of the music I'll give the songs. I assume you intentionally had kind of that running theme there. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of. Neat. I don't put as much thought into the uh, individual song selection as you do, but I did listen to a number of songs and picked out my favorites. And yeah. <laughs> All right. Then here's here's your question. Your mm-hmm. question. The one I wrote. The one you wrote. Yeah, my question. Yeah. yeah. 
Which character's name was applied to a donkey in one of this game's sequels? Multiple hints in that question. Dramatic, cinematic, aromatic. Awesome game. Yeah, it is it's, an it's awesome a, game. It's the only, it's the only Prince of Persia game uh, I think I've played. Actually, um, it was my first. I, I definitely remedy. never played the uh, original 2D ones, but um, this is Sands of Time, Prince of Persia: Sands of Time, um, the first of the uh, last generation trilogy. Uh, right, definitely the best two. of that trilogy. Um, <clears throat> although I think the the one for you know Xbox 360 and PS3 is uh, it's up there with Sands of Time. I, I'd hate to have to pick a favorite between those two because you know they're they're quite different in how they play. But I think they mm-hmm. have. I think with the the new Prince of Persia, which has no subtitle or number, so it's kind of confusing to talk about it. But with the new Prince of Persia, the the current generation went. Um, they were definitely, I think, trying to recapture some of the magic and the character uh, interplay of Sands yeah. of Time, which was very pioneering in that respect. Yeah, I mean, if you go back, it's still really impressive. I, I kind of wish I'd bought the game. I, I rented it, and um, I really had a lot of fun with it. I know the GameCube version was, I guess, had slightly less audio or something, but it was really minimal if there was, because there's a lot of back and forth um it's really good mm-hmm. um, yeah and it had the, combat, um, the combat's kind of wonky in my opinion but everything else about the game's awesome you know i mean looking at what they did with the combat in the sequels i think um the combat in sands of time is maybe a little underappreciated <laughs> it's uh you know there are a lot of there are a lot of ways to sort of trick it to game it um generally speaking like if you launch off of a wall the enemies right. can't block it so you end up doing that a lot because the enemies get really hard towards the end and you kind of just find anything that works and just use it over and over again until right. you build up your magic and use that but it's very cool I mean I just think there's too much combat probably but I think the combat is that's in there is very good actually I think that the combat in Sands of Time is too slow compared with the rest of the game hmm. I, I think that it feels kind of clunky it, 
in a way, it's a little bit like the combat in Eternal Darkness in, in, in feel to me in terms of it. I mean, there's some cool stuff you can do, but it requires too much effort on my part to get it done. It doesn't feel <laughs> fluid. Um, it's not that it's bad. It just it doesn't flow like the rest of the game. You know, like Eternal Darkness is this this atmosphere that really engulfs you. And the same thing with Sands of Time. The the, the world you're in is so engrossing, and the platforming is, is you know so enjoyable that when you stop it, oh, I gotta fight these guys, and it, it just to me it just took me right out of that element. You know, it just felt so unnatural in the rest of the game. Right, uh, and me. and I mean the reason that it that it feels out of place and clunky, I think, and messing up the flow is that the combat, I mean, you have to stop in one place and fight. Whereas Prince of Persia is, you know, the main, the non-combat part of the game is really always about moving and always about, you know, kind of moving in a smooth, fluid fashion from one mm -hmm. place to another. And so, you know, you're asking the player, I mean, basically your combat has to be really good if you're going to ask the player to stop in one place and spend five minutes there doing something. And it's not good enough to support that and it, and it does feel like it kind of breaks up the game too much I think um, and the, the way that they tried to address that in Warrior Within is probably not what most people wanted um, and, and they still haven't really figured it out I mean there's less combat in the in the new Prince of Persia but it's still the, the weakest part of the game and uh, I think the the ideal way to do it would be to either take combat out of the series altogether or at least make the combat something that you can sort of do on the fly as you're running past you right. know, like not make you stop and okay now you're going to fight d this dude <laughs> and you can't move on until you beat him I think that's really the problem is the way it breaks up it's I mean the, the mechanics of how you actually fight come and go and that part of it is you know easy to fix and easy to screw up as we've seen but you're still missing the point right. we don't want to we don't want to stop and fight that's not what the right. game is about but anyway i mean the the main part of sands of time is this platforming which i think is absolutely brilliant uh, amazing and um and challenging even yeah very um, difficult and and the um way you rewind time is is a really great way of allowing it to be challenging while still not overly frustrating exactly in my opinion exactly very very brilliant stuff um, and uh, and of course the other really brilliant thing about the game is the character interaction I mean you're the answer to the question is Farah uh, she's this right. sort of princess in sands of time and she's your companion and she sort of comes and goes sometimes she's right by your side sometimes she's kind of um, doing things in parallel with you but it, it always seems like you're having this conversation with her and your relationship with her grows over the course of the game um, and She's pretty much the only other person you talk with, right? Right, right, right. I mean, it's a very lonely game without her. And um, and she is, you know, sort of petulant in the beginning and annoying. Um, and over the course of the game, you really grow fond of her, and, and your character does as well. And so, I mean, that ends up playing to the, the climax um, really, really nicely. And it's one of the... Um, one of the best characterizations I've ever seen. I mean, there's actual character development in this game, and yet they don't do it through a ton of cutscenes, and they don't do it through a bunch of text um, that you have to read. It's all, and in fact, usually you don't even stop at all. I mean, a lot of the the dialogue that goes on uh, with her happens as you're actually playing the game, as you're doing other things. It's, it seems incidental, you know. It seems like sort of background chatter, 
but as you go through the game you start to realize like this is the story like the story is going on while you play the game you don't have to stop you don't have game part and story part it's right. all together and, and a lot of games do that now at least on the PlayStation 3 360 I don't know I don't know that they do it well <laughs> I don't know that they yeah. do it as well as right. uh, Sands of Time did yeah but. that's true um, and, and that, and that again, that part of it is um, they really went after recreating that um, in the in the new Prince of Persia. I think they did a pretty good job of it, although it's a little more forced, I feel like, than in Sands of Time. But yeah, Farah is uh, it's one of the really nice um, throwbacks to Sands of Time in the new Prince of Persia is that there is a character named Farah, but instead of being a beautiful princess that you're falling in love with over the course of the game, it is your donkey. <laughs> <laughs> so they're playing with the fans a little bit there. Yeah. Well, There's a different anyway, beautiful princess that you fall in love with over the course of the game. <laughs> excellent. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's the last game of the episode. It's, it's good to be back in America. It's good to be back on Radio Trivia. Um... I think this was a really good lineup tonight, and oh, partially yeah, because uh, <laughs> they're all games I thought I'd already used on Radio Trivia, but apparently hadn't for at least the <laughs> podcast version. So um, I'm, th- I'm pretty surprised you had not used the new Tetris yet, because I mean, if you're talking about game music, that's like yeah. in my top five of all I know. time, really. Yeah. You know, sometimes I select a game and then it gets usurped by some other, you know, request from from the co-host or you know I say oh wait I want to do this theme like you know Game Boy special so sometimes I select things and wind up not using them so that's why sometimes some obvious games slip through the cracks mm-hmm. um, but if I have already used New Tetris oh well you enjoyed it again heck yeah I did <laughs> so anyway thanks for listening uh, hopefully I'll be back to my, at least my uh, fort, what is it Fortnite schedule um <laughs> As, as Richard Nuts always calls it. Um, okay. Well, anyway, uh, anyway, I'll be back to my every other week <laughs> schedule. I don't want to say bi-weekly because that might not make sense either. Die-weekly? I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. Let's just uh, end this. <laughs> Kill it with fire. <laughs> Isn't that special? New Super Mario Brothers is copyright 2006 Nintendo. Pilot Wing 64 is copyright 1996 Nintendo Paradigm Simulation. The new Tetris is copyright 1999 H2O Entertainment Nintendo The Tetris Company. Rad Racer is copyright 1987 Square. Prince of Persia The Sands of Time is copyright 2003 Ubisoft Entertainment Jordan Meshner. I'm sorry? A fortnight is 20 days, so. Oh, I thought it was two weeks. Okay. Hmm. Four score. Hmm. Four uh, well, score. No, is no, no. I, I should for? say a score is. Well. Yeah, a four. <laughs> I'm pretty sure a fortnight is 20 days, but I could be completely wrong about that.